Hey lovers, this episode contains material of a highly sensitive nature, including mention of childhood trauma that may be triggering for some individuals. This podcast is produced by Sunnydale Studios. Hello, welcome to episode three, season two of Big Love Energy. I'm your host, Jessie Lou. Today, we are talking all things survival mode, why I've always had hope even at rock bottom. We're just going to talk about my three, top three rock bottoms um, and um, just a few tips on how I, you know, stay hopeful and get out of those little pits um, that happen in life um, in hopes that it gives a bit of hope to the listeners if you're going through it or know someone who's going through it we're just going to have some light-hearted chats on how to get to the other side um and yeah i hope you enjoy and get something out of this i'm gonna go straight into it Hello lovers, episode three, season two, we are talking survival mode and a place I've gotten to know quite well over my 38 years, rock bottom. And as always, we come to this topic with big love energy and in our hearts with the intention to talk about icky, sticky things in a way that normalizes subjects that normally get pushed aside. So what I have come to learn is that life is full of ups and downs. It is inevitable. We talk about the nuances all the time. Highs and lows, dark and light, sunshine versus the rain. And just like all the cliches, life will certainly give you the full human experience. What I have come to know, and from a pretty early age, is that we are here to endure all that life has to offer. We are here to feel and feel deeply. It is a privilege, I feel. And yes, it's hard and incredibly unfair at times, but as they say, no rain, no flowers, no darkness, no bright twinkly stars. And if we are deprived of lows and sail through life, cotton wooled, free from the heaviness of the world, I do feel that when the highs come, they just aren't as sweet or they go unnoticed in some cases. I, for one, have been through the ringer. We've discussed it a few times on here already, and I feel most of us have. And I do believe it is the reason why I am resilient as ever, grateful as ever, and hopeful as ever. In saying, in saying this, none of us would wish our hardships onto others. We do our best to protect the ones we love and prevent those lows. But life happens and it would be remiss of us to expect there aren't going to be a few shitty potholes along the way. This chat today is about mindset, acceptance, blocking out the noise, simplifying, incubating hope even when you don't feel like it trusting the process and truly believing that everything is going to be okay. So whether you're going through a tough time right now or this gears you up for the future because none of us know what is around the corner, I hope this lands in the ears of those who need this chat. Maybe it's a note to self for me because goodness knows I've begged, please, no more rock bottoms, but there's a whole lot of life to be played out ahead. So I'm maybe recording this so I can reflect back one day. I hope not though. Today, I'm going to talk you through my top three rock bottoms. Oh my gosh, that sounds sad. (laughs) It is a sad day when you have to pick your top three out of many. I'm going to talk about them and then give you some insight as to how I picked myself up literally off the floor and got through those times. It's definitely one of the 
more chatted about things in my inbox that comes through is how and 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 just tips on getting through the day. Then we'll do some love letters, your questions that came through in our weekly question box over on the Big Love Energy Gram and finish with some words to live your week by. So first things first, I'll start with my first rock bottom. Um, it was definitely the period I mentioned in earlier episodes. I, I left home in a hurry. I had the clothes on my back with nowhere to go. At 18 and just freshly graduated from high school, I found myself in a predicament where I felt my life was in danger and I went straight into survival mode. That wasn't actually the rock bottom though. I actually felt quite free, homeless but free. After being controlled irrationally and emotionally abused and sexually for a good 18 years, I was so happy to be out of that situation. The rock bottom though came when my rock at the time suddenly passed away in a tragic freak accident. I went from feeling like life was just getting started in the first person who believed in me and thought I was worthy of a life more than what I had was suddenly taken away. I was working a lot at the time. I had three jobs on the go, dancing in clubs at night and various gigs doing Latin dancing and house dancing. My shifts would start around 9pm and I'd finish at about 4am, 5am in the morning, high-fiving the sex workers on the way home. There's a lot of the the community, there was a lot of transgender sex workers that that worked up the streets of the valley and I remember just, you know, high-fiving them on the way home, just going, hey, good night, hey, yep. And just it was just a time. It was a weird time. I also waitressed at a backpackers called Tin Billies and also the Norman B Hotel in Spring Hill. And during the day, I was a receptionist in the city. Hustler from the get-go. I was a baby. I had nothing to my name. I didn't have any documents. I didn't have a Medicare card, a birth certificate. I hadn't even been allowed to obtain my driver's license because my mum always thought that that would mean freedom. I didn't have any mates. <clears throat> I'd been ostracised by my mum who made it very difficult for me to meet friends. I was never allowed playdates really or sleepovers or even to catch the bus to and from school in fear I would make a connection with someone outside of the classroom. I did have Brooke, my bestie, who I met in this period after school and once I was out of home, who I've had on the show in season one. But even my other besties like Margot and EJ, also featuring on season one, didn't come into play later on in life. I met Margot at school but we didn't become reconnected as besties years down the track. So in this time when all that happened, I went a bit rogue. <clears throat> you have to know that up until I left home, I was never allowed to wear makeup. I'd never dyed my hair. I just, I wasn't even allowed to speak up. I was just too expected to just, you know, stay quiet and be pretty. <laughs> that was, that was my lot in life. So when this all happened and I was left to my own devices and surrounded by strangers really in the big smoke, I literally took up smoking, dabbled in drugs. I thought I was really bad at the time. <laughs> but looking back, I realised drugs are quite common and <laughs> people people dabble and um, I just thought I was going straight to hell. But um, <laughs> in, in hindsight, it was it was all part of the journey. But it was pretty bad. I was on something most days, numbing the pain, but a clear moment for me is my mum calling me one day out of the blue about six months after Ben had passed saying she wanted to meet up for coffee in Southbank, for those who know Brisbane. Um, and the last time I'd seen her was at his funeral where I went to hug her and she stood there stagnant, refusing to hug me back, telling me that what had happened was karma for me leaving her and that I was to come back home now before something else bad happened. 
So that was pretty deflating. Um, so I stood on the corner of Little Stanley Street where there's a string of cafes where my mum said she'd meet me. Um, and I felt okay with this being a public place and was I was actually quite desperate to reconnect with her um, and I wanted to see if she'd changed really. Um, and so I stood there and um, she pulled up in her four-wheel drive screeching the tyres and she shoved my younger sister out the car with a duffel bag and said, she's yours, you look after her. And I just stood there in shock. And I remember screaming like a crazy person. I walk through South Bank now all these years on and I still see the spot and I just remember that feeling of pure rock bottom. I couldn't even look after myself. And then I, you know, would have done anything to look after my sister, but I just, I did not have the resources. I'd just been homeless. I just lost the love of my life. Yeah, it was, it was a shitty, shitty time. I can't even really tell you what happened directly after then. It was such an, like I was numb um, and I can't, yeah, I can't even pinpoint like, yeah, the direct steps in that time. But the the point of today and we'll go into steps overall at the end of this as to why to never give up, give up hope. But in that time it did feel like there was no way out but here I am today. Rock bottom two. I'm going to fast forward to a period in time when I was so lost in my life again. <laughs> my marriage was not great. Uh, there was a lot of alcohol involved and in turn a, a lot of disconnect. Um, Jace had just started primary school and I was working in Brisbane in an events role, commuting back and forth from the Gold Coast. And um, the commute was horrible. I don't know if many of you know about that commute from the Gold Coast to Brisbane, but it can take literally up to three hours at times. So for what should generally logistically take an hour, but it, it's, yeah, it's quite often a parking lot. Um, and yeah, me trying to work full, full-time hours in Brisbane, but make the school pickup, like the after school pickup. And I don't know if any of you have to experience this, this, but when, you know, the kids go to after school care and you literally have until six o'clock to pick them up. I was always that mum rushing in at the very end, like 6.01, apologising profusely. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. The traffic was hor horrible. It was, you know, and you'd just get side-eyed the whole time, plus the guilt of picking up Jace and him being the last one there. This went on for three years and it was just not ideal, but I really wasn't, we were just weren't in the position for me to be changing jobs. It was at the back of... GS, GFC. So yeah, I was grateful to even have a job at all. But I knew that if I kept going, it would literally break me. I would just have either had a nervous breakdown or crashed the car or yeah, it was, it was just a scary time. I was also suffering from secondary infertility at this time. And I, I delved into that in early episodes. Um, and that alone is a cycle of pain and devastation that visits monthly. And I'd been going through it for years with so many underlying fears and issues due to my history. So the chaos at home ended up following me everywhere. My job in Brisbane suffered for it. And I just knew that if I kept on that path, it just wasn't going to end well. My adrenals were shot to pieces. I felt like I was going to crash each commute. And not long after that rock bottom, where a lot of heaviness went down and ultimatums were made, I had to make a decision. And on the back of that decision, Louis Lux was formed and... Rafi was born. So we'll go into how we turn that around as well. 
Rock bottom three. <laughs> so, so, you got to laugh or you'll cry. And we've cried enough from this podcast. <laughs> um, so now my third rock bottom is probably going to take a lot of the LL community by surprise. But it was quite recent post-separation, post-divorce. So that doesn't even get a, that doesn't even get a call up today. <laughs> and that was pretty rock bottom. Um, but this year I had a rock bottom not too long ago. I took a punt with the business and it did not pay off. Um, I was really scared I was going to lose the business altogether. Um, oh, I'm going to cry, but <laughs> I did. I didn't want to let go of it and I, I never want to let go of it because of, you know, the work I do. It's my purpose. Um, so, yeah, I just kept thinking of like the customers and like, you know, you'd get feedback like never stop offering this, you're changing lives. And then I was like, I, I don't I actually don't know if I can. Um, and my kids, like letting them down um, was like my greatest fear. Phew. <laughs> um so, um, I waved the white, the, I waved the white flag again. I surrendered and I was like, yep, this is another one. And each time, each time you go through a rock bottom, you're like, surely that's it. I've been through enough, never again. And then it rears its ugly head again. And I, you get to a point where you're like, no, this is actually just, this is a part of life. And it may feel like sometimes it's, you know, I don't even know the saying, the raw end of the deal. What's the stick saying? The short straw, the stick, the, sh- the rough end of the stick. You're up shit's Creek without a paddle, all those things. Um, but, yeah, you do. You, you just feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm here again. So I'm going to go into this next bit and talk about why this girl at 30, I call myself a girl, but this woman 38 years on still after – being through all that and more will never let go of hope. Um, and I know it's not, not everyone's built like that. I know that now. So if I can sort of give a bit of hope to anyone that's needing to hear it today, that everything's going to be okay without, you know, being too, you know, that toxic positivity vibe. I know, I know it's shit. Trust me, I do. But, um, I want to be able to just give some tips on how I quite simply got through all those times and more. So we'll go into the good stuff. Mindset is everything. Your mind is so strong. What you consume, who you surround yourself with is crucial. Um, So make sure that when you wave that that white flag and you identify that you're at a rock bottom, Make really good choices of who you reach out to, who you share your information with. You know, people, you know, especially in Australia, the tall poppy syndrome, they they love to see people fail sometimes and that's really hard to admit. So be really protect your energy and protect your path by making sure that the people around you have your safety and health and heart at best interest because there's the, the helpers are out there. And they love you and they want to be there for you. And if you're anything like me, you're really resistant to accepting help. But in all those times, whether it was rock bottom one, two or three, I can hand on heart say that it didn't take a full village. It just took one person to believe in me that gave me the hope and 
a bit of a leg up to go, no, I can, you know, it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to get through this. And so, yeah, look for the helpers. Um, things happen for a reason and I know that that gets used a lot. I just, I just, I think life knows what it's doing and it dishes out the hard stuff to the strong ones. So I think it is a bit of a privilege. I, I really mean that. Like whilst it's a shitty thing when you're going through it, even when I think back to when I lost Ben, I just remember thinking, no, he's the lucky one. He's, I, I at first was like, I was so sad to have lost him because I was like, it's just, you know, death is just the sh- the worst. Like it's so many people's fear and I turned it on its head in the way that I was like, number one, he's always with me now. Number two, he, he he's he's not going to experience this pain anymore. He's better. He's in a he's in a better place. He's okay. And as soon as I shifted that mindset and went, no, he's the lucky one, I made me feel really more at peace with what had happened, and just knowing that it was bigger than us. And I think that that in itself made me so just it just gave me the peace to be like you know not angry and 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 let go of any any anger of of why did it happen why me and all those questions that you want answered it's just believing that it happened for a reason and and that they're in a better place and I just think also that that (laughs) that whole situation every rock bottom has geared me up to be the person I am today. It's why I can write the way I write. It's how I then am in turn able to offer the healing that I do through my work. Like I would not be able to be doing what I do today if I did not experience all that heartache firsthand. So when I say that I write poetry not out of, you know, the thought of something happened, it's like a lived true experience. I mean it. Um, I know I'm the girl for the job. You just, at the same time, just wouldn't wish it upon anyone. But when it does happen to you, you got to, I know it's, it can sound quite, quite harsh, but you just got to almost go, it's happened to me and I've got to make something good out of it. That's my take on it anyway. Um, and, and in line with that, it's acceptance. So the moment you accept what has happened and let go of the fact you can't change it, the quicker you're able to find your peace and peace is the end game here. Letting go of, you know, whether someone's hurt you or betrayed you or taken away your innocence or um, accused you of something or, you know, hurt you in any way, shape or form. You can't change them. You can't control their actions. um, But you can accept and change how you deal with it. And if you come at things with a place of like a, you know, a sense of kindness and for me, the people that have hurt me, I will always want best, better for them. I will always want. Um, I don't want any. I don't. I don't want any hard feelings because then I can't move forward. So I think that's a huge part of survival mode. It's like, yes, you want to hold resentment sometimes, and you want justice, and you want to drag things up from the past, but it's not going to. It's not going to help you it's you've got to move forward. So that's a big one for me, acceptance, even when it's really, really hard to accept the truth sometimes. Um, remember your values and who you are. 
know your truth and don't let others change your thoughts of yourself in a negative way block out the noise it does not serve you because like I said before people will try and bring you down um and not the people that love you but there will be people that don't know the full story or judge or they're like oh did you hear about Jessie she's living in Brisbane dancing and on drugs and homeless like can you imagine if I sat there thinking what are these people gonna think you don't you just focus on you you focus on you like that's like at the end of the day, it's you that knows what your truth is. And if you've, you know, even if you've made mistakes along the way, if you're striving for better, then that's all you can ask of yourself. Believe that you deserve the goodness around the corner. Manifest it, visualize it. It's powerful. The amount of times I would just go for a walk and visualize a life better for me, no matter the rock bottom I was in. Whether I was infertile, I'd think about that baby. Whether I, you know, just, you know, financially was in a situation where I was just like, I can't afford my bills or I don't can't afford rent or anything like that. It's just visualizing you in that space where life is just better. Um, Health-wise, there's been times where I've just been so stuck in a rut, like not just, you know, physically unhealthy in terms of overweight but just in my insides I hadn't been sleeping because of my business and you know just dry I felt dry and sick and almost felt like I was manifesting like a you know a bigger problem in my body like every lump and bump you'd be like oh you're just stressed about your actual health and well-being the moment I stopped and started focusing on, no, I I can see myself living vibrantly and happy and healthy, that stays with you and you make better choices throughout the day. And then as soon as you, you know, you start taking those steps and moving your body and, and feeding yourself better when it's so prominent in your mind or, or putting together a mood board, like I know people think that it's a waste of time, but vision boards and stuff like that doesn't have to be over the top, but just doing little things step by step, they all add up and I can tell you right now at my rock bottoms, those sorts of things, it's almost childlike, like just dragging together your ultimate life and just going, no, I can I can see that and I want that for myself and putting it somewhere that you can focus on every day reminds you of a life that's better. Um, literally get by through your pain day by day um, and focus on the things you can't like you can control. So no money, go for a walk drink water, have conversations. They're all free things that will benefit you. I remember when I couldn't afford a gym membership and I used to I used to use kids' playgrounds and use the equipment to get a sweat on. It sounds dodgy, but I had to make it work and it was just for me, it was like, oh, just the pure um yeah, just the just being so resourceful and and you know, that saying, you know, start now and use use what what you have and if you don't have anything there's there's yeah plenty you can do to be resourceful um and having been someone that's had nothing before and also on the on the flip side had a lot the difference isn't that much it's just, it's more your desire to be better so yeah i think you just got to um day by day like focus on the things that you can control and be like write a list and 
follow it every day and then days will pass, weeks will pass, months will pass. And if you are gradually working on being better, it will, it will happen. Um, lean on resources for me was things like, um, and this is more recently, books like Untamed by the Queen Glenn Do- Glennon Doyle and her podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. Um, what Happened to You was an audio book that I leaned on heavily, heavily. I listened to about three times by Oprah and Bruce Perry. Um, <laughs> Reiki healing. Um, I went and saw it. A psychic. I, of course, had my therapist. I leaned on crystals. I leaned on friends. We had slumber parties. We had benders. We had, we exercised. We, um, for me, like my art, doing the things I love that helped me express and not suppress. These were all things that I did to help me get out of rock bottom. And it's little by little, um, all these things add up. Um, and I write. I write these things much more eloquently than I can say, but um, I'll, I'll, I might do a post for the Big Love Energy page as well. But these sorts of things, these are the sorts of things that I put in my my free workbooks on my blog and stuff like that because they work for me and hopefully it helps someone out there too. So I hope that helps a bit. Obviously, I could talk all day about the darkness and the rock bottoms and I feel like we touch on it all the time on this on this show but it's just to show that literally if I can do it if I'm here being hopeful and giggly as I am then you're going to be okay and I think that whole theory on everything's going to be okay can be taken really negatively sometimes like what if it's not going to be okay It's not so much that everything's going to work out how you want it to. It probably won't, but it probably leads you in a different direction, maybe in a better direction, maybe something unexpected. Um, And it's what you make of it when you get there. At least you're better off than what you were. It might be different. It might look different to what you'd expected in the first place. Like if you had have asked me when I was a kid, I'd be in Hollywood right now, living the dream, but I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. I'm very grateful for my life and you got to you got to ride the waves you got to roll with the punches and accept that your path is your path and you can't you can't mess with it like it is it is what it is um but you got to make the most of it and and love life and the privilege it is um cuz yeah it is a privilege i know um so now we're going to go into love letters because we've got more to talk about over there some questions have come through love letters thank you so much for everyone who takes the time to fill in our little question box and give me something to talk about um so question number one where do you stand with your mum and dad today Okay. Um, for me, so two very separate situations. My dad having left um, in grade 12 saying he was going away for two weeks, never coming back, not hearing about him for, yeah, I haven't seen him for, yeah, 20 years, a bit over. And then, yeah, I I thought he'd fallen off the face of the earth um, and I found out down the track that he was you know, he'd worked a lot overseas and he would he was working in China back and forth the year that he left um, and he 
I, yeah, he decided to stay there. And I think only recently he's, he's back on Australia, Australian soil, but yeah, we do not have a relationship. Um, again, I do not have any anger towards my family or, uh, you know, there's a lot of hurt there. There's a lot of broken trust. There's, you know, abandonment issues, but it doesn't serve me going forward to hold on to that anger. So it also doesn't serve me trying to strike up a conversation with someone that, that chose, chose to leave so long ago. There's, um, there's too much, um, you know, I'm, I'm so future focused. I'm so focused on my boys and, you know, going back there and the trauma endured does not serve m- my future at all. So I, I'm not going back there. Um, no hurt, no, no, like no hard feelings, no anger, just I feel like they're missing out on my, what I have to offer today and, and the, the light in my life is revenge enough. <laughs> it's, it's their loss um, and that's payback, I suppose, without being revengeful. I, I, does that make sense? Like I'm not, I just feel like they've already missed out and um, for me, I don't need to go back and, and um, you know, make them endure how much, tell them, you know, face to face how much they hurt me. I'll let, I'll let their loss do the talking. Um, with my mum, yeah, the, the situation with her, she lives in Brisbane. Um, the, there's been countless times I've um, wanted to definitely prior to having Rafferty, you know, we reconnected a couple of times since that time in Brisbane, um, you know, after Ben died and, um, each time it's ended up in a hostile situation and, um, it's just not for me. So very regretfully had to, yeah, just grieve that relationship and, and love her from afar. Um, and I do, I do love my parents from afar. I, I think that's, the best way I can describe it. I love them from afar. I love them in a way that no one can really, I can't, I'm a wordsmith and I can't describe it, but um, it's just, they're just not a part of my story currently at this, at this point in time. Um, Very tempted. Like there's been times where I've said to Hayden, you know, I want to call my mum up and we talk about it and it's just, it's just um, not worth it really. Um, but I wish them both the best. Um, question number two, do you and Revy still speak? No, no, we don't. Not at, not at the moment. And that's okay. It's again, we've talked about this <laughs> in previous episodes, but it keeps coming up. Yeah. Just respecting each other's boundaries. Um, when there's so much layered trauma and so many, um, so many feelings to deal with, we've got to respect each other's journeys and no one can really understand you know, our story, you haven't been through what we've, we've, our story, what we've been through, not only individually, but together. So, um, at this point in time, as much as it hurts at times, cause you know, you just, I, I love family. I'm very close with my, the family I've created. Um, but yeah, I have to respect that that's not where we're at. So no, we don't speak. What steps have you taken to carry you through survival mode once you recognized it? 
Yeah, so as we spoke about um, in the the bulk of this potty, um, yeah, just those. We'll, we will list them out. We've decided. Um, we'll list them out. Put them on on the page. But yeah, main points is yeah, strong mindset, um, leaning on resources, keep keeping your circle small, um, and 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 also making sure that you surround yourself with people that believe in you and want the best for you. Um, and doing things that are going to benefit you, like even if you don't have anything, just drinking the water, going for the walks, going out in nature, um, having conversations, talking, talk through your what you're feeling. That alone can clear up your way to the next step because it is, it's about when you're in survival mode, it's step-by-step step sort of things. It's like writing a list and going, I don't know if this is going to be okay. I don't know what, how this is going to turn out. But if I am proactively trying to get out of this shit hole I'm in, then you're going to get somewhere and it's going to be better than where you were. So just take it step by step. But we'll write those um, those steps out for you so you have something to refer to. Words to live your week by. So this week's Words to Live Your Week by, I was actually going through my Instagram and I came across a post I did um, and I read it and it just made me go far out. I'm proud of the girl I'm, I am. Um, and it just, I, I suppose I, I feel like I could speak for many in this post. I feel like a lot of us go through times that we think we're not going to get out of okay. Um, but this particular post, I was like, oh, you did good, kid. You've done well. So um, it's this one. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, oh, Graham, where is it? Oh, okay, I got it. Words to live your week by. If I could go back to sit with a girl I was two years ago and where she was at, I'd beckon her on gently, sweetly. I would assure her that the path ahead would be hard, but a path worth crawling, walking, running, whatever it took to move forward. I would tell her she was worthy of the life, and love she knew she deserves and desires, even and especially if that life and love came from within. I would tell her to pour herself into daily rituals, for it is the small but mighty rituals and sweet intentions that allow us to evolve over sacred time. I would tell her to keep up the effort, for it is the genuine effort we exude that sets us apart from those who wish for us to fail and brings us closer to those who wish to thrive side by side. I would tell her that despite the noise, the chatter, the deafening judgment, the only noise worth tuning into is the stillness that houses the rise and fall of our breath. It is there in that rhythm, in that divine natural source, we find our peace, our energy, our way, our course. Keep fighting the good fight, lovers. All right, that's it for me. It's just a short one this week. I hope you got something out of that. Thank you so much for listening. And if anyone you know or even yourself needs support, please remember you can always call on Lifeline. The number is 13 11 14. Um, and, yeah, just wishing everyone a whole lot of love. If you're in it right now, you're going to be okay. I promise you. Um, and, yeah, sending big love energy always. Bye. I don't want just anybody. Let me treat you like somebody. Try to die up on a ride.